chapter 6 is where we're going to go tonight. Matthew chapter 6. I pray uh, every time that a pastor contacts me, I pray, put it on my prayer list, and every day, some days I I miss, but uh, every day I pray for that service that's coming up. So uh, if someone scheduled me three years in advance, I'm praying a lot for that for that three years, and and uh, I know that we're scheduled uh, on the docket uh, uh, in a year or so uh, back here for a meeting, but uh, I've been praying since uh, Pastor Lynn had asked me to come and preach, praying for this service uh, this morning, of course, this service tonight, and I'm not sure how this service will go. There's things that I know God wants us to to do, and, and uh, it's going to be a little bit different, but uh, I'm going to be sensitive to the Lord. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, and uh, we're going to look at verse 5. Matthew chapter 6, we'll look at verse 5 and 6. It says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, I recognize that this is your church. These are your people. Lord, this service we have come to tonight for you. Lord, who we need tonight is you. Lord, we thank you for the songs and the truths that we get to sing about. We thank you for your word that is eternal, uh, that is truth. Lord, that we can stake our entire uh, life, eternal destiny upon Your Word. We thank You. For Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot promise. Lord, You've given us, or God that cannot lie, promise before the world began. You have given us these pro- precious promises of eternal life. We thank You for Your Word. Lord, we long uh, someday to be in heaven with You and and to have that communion that is so sweet. But Lord, You've also given us the opportunity to have sweet communion here on earth. There are times where You have given us a little bit of a taste of heaven upon earth. And, and Lord, tonight I pray that, that You would even do that here in this service. Lord, I'm in asking You, I'm inviting that You would meet with us tonight. Lord, that You would take over, do whatever You want to do at each of our hearts, and Lord, that we would seek You and You alone. Lord, we thank You for the privilege it is to pray. Would You teach us to pray? Not just how to pray, though we do need that, but Lord, teach us just to pray. As the missionary prayed, take this day so far out of my hands that I have to trust You, Lord. May You take our days, our lives so far out of our hands that we have to trust You. Lord, we know the secret. It's prayer. Lord, strive these truths that You desire into our hearts and minds and lives tonight. And again, I pray that we would not just be hearers of Your Word, but doers as well. We ask in Christ's name, Amen.
It's amazing, as I lived the Christian life, and even as uh, I got saved when I was five years old, grew up in a Christian home, uh, had the privilege of going to Christian school my whole life, went to Bible college, and uh, spent the best ten years of my life. No, I'm not, I wasn't there that long. Uh, I spent uh, six years, though, uh, there in Bible college, and, and I've been around Christians so much in my life, and I'm very blessed, I'm very thankful. But I, I have to confess that tonight there's times that I have played the part of what verse 5 says as a hypocrite. Sometimes it's amazing to me, even this week, as God has convicted my heart and has shown me pride in areas that, that I have been hypocritical and, and how spiritual I can appear to be. I was standing in line the other night at the men's meeting there in Newport Beach and this, uh, uh, I was talking to a man that had just been coming to the church, the host church, for the last three weeks. Uh, he uh, wasn't a Baptist or anything, and, and, but he was thinking about joining the church, was just very impressed uh, with the pastor's preaching and things. And, and one guy, uh, a member of the church, and, and uh, I, I'll just, he was kind of annoying, uh, and uh, he was kind of in our conversations. We're standing in line, and, and then he begins to talk about how that this church, where they're at, uh, switched uh, buildings with another church, and uh, and the, when this church came into this building, it was so much bigger than for the congregation. And people said, "You're not going to last three months." And this guy starts saying, "Yeah, they said they're you know only going to last three months, but look at where we're doing now." And I'm and I'm just I, I I listen to this guy, and I'm thinking, you know what? That 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 is, seems to be so prideful and so arrogant. You know what about God in this? And then at about two minutes later. This guy's telling me how he's gone to different churches and there's just not good preaching. They don't even, you know, preach the word. And, you know, and he comes to the Baptist church. And I was about to say, yeah, it's in the Baptist churches where we get the preaching and all of this. And I, I'm thinking that in my mind. And the Lord just says, why do you want to say that? Am I really seeking to glorify God in what I'm about to say? And the Lord showed me I had that same attitude as I was criticizing this other guy of having. And, uh, and I had it just as we're walking line, I'm, you know, the guy's talking, I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, forgive me for my pride and, uh, and my arrogance in this. And, you know, many times we don't see how hypocritical we are. I, I had read tonight to Megan a definition of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is not when we sin. Hypocrisy is when we use religious activity to hide our sin. I've been there. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> you're just hiding. You're just trying to, to cover up. Hopefully, nobody's going to find out about the you know that you're not right with God. And you're really you're working in the flesh. You're fighting Amalek and you're losing. But uh, you say, well, at least I'm fighting. No, that's not what God has for us. God wants victory. God wants us to be sold out to Him. And He says, don't be as the hypocrites when they pray. But he contrasts this in verse 6, but thou, when thou prayest. I want to look, believe briefly tonight, at five aspects of prayer. Here is the aspect of time. When thou prayest. God says there is to be a time in your life when you pray. A time in your day where you spend alone with God. And in this matter of the aspect of time, we've got to make it a priority. I hope that you brushed your teeth 
today. I hope that uh, you've taken a, a shower within the last week. You know, I hope you've done some things and, and that kind of a, of, a, of a priority and a discipline in your life. But have you had the priority of prayer? You see, I believe that we get attacked in prayer and, and the spiritual disciplines of life. We get attacked in the, in the uh, spiritual discipline of prayer more than any other area of spiritual discipline. You know, it's easier to come to church on a Sunday night than it is to have a consistent prayer life. It's easier to come to church on a Sunday morning than to have a consistent prayer life. It's even easier to go out uh, door knocking or hand out flyers than it is to have a consistent prayer life. Oh, the devil knows the power that there is in prayer. And, and prayer is the secret to it all. It is, it is where we get the power, as Ian Bounds said, no, no prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. I have so many thoughts running through my mind. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch this one as the Lord's reminding me of. Uh, there was a revival that took place. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this to you uh, last week or have mentioned it before. I don't think that I have. But uh, there was a revival that took place in Burlington, North Carolina, two summers ago. This revival started off just as a Sunday through Friday meeting with an evangelist. And something happened that Thursday night where the evangelist never even preached. He didn't need to. There was such a spirit of conviction that fell upon the people. And the next night, Friday night, the, the evangelist preached on brokenness. And then things just broke on through. Well, the meeting's supposed to end. Sunday through Friday. He's got to get to Chattanooga, go to the next meeting. And the pastor asked the evangelist, he says... I've been praying. I don't believe that God's done here. And, you know, could you call the next pastor and just ask him if he would be willing to cancel the next meeting? So the evangelist calls that pastor in Chattanooga and he says, Now, pastor, I know I'm supposed to be with you on Sunday and, and uh, you've been praying, you've been preparing, you've spent money and, and all of that and having us to come. And he says, but God's doing something unusual here. And I'm just asking, would it be all right if I stayed here and we canceled our meeting? The pastor responded in maturity, and he said, well, if it was in my church, I would want you to do the same thing. And so he says, yes, go ahead and stay. So the next week, then the floodgates opened. Then they were seeing scores of people get saved. That first Monday night of the service, the church holds 600. They had 900 people there. They had, that next week, they had to open up all the Sunday school rooms, uh, do the, uh, the closed caption television. Uh, I mean, it was just, it just flooded the place. And then that second week, now they're concerned about the fire marshal and all of those things. And, and they thought, we've got to, we've got to find a different venue for this. And the Lord just miraculously, so many things happened to where they got a tent. Someone let them borrow a tent. Uh, a car lot owner let him borrow a, uh, their, a part of their property. And even gave them the billboard for their, their sign so they can advertise the meeting. And that third week, uh, they put up that tent and uh, thousands of people came. This meeting, this one-week revival meeting, lasted a total of three months. This is two years ago. Now, I'm not talking about a hundred years ago. This is two years ago in Burlington, North Carolina. There was an awareness of God that fell upon that city of Burlington. I've been there. I've uh, been to Burlington, and, and so many miracle stories. I don't have time to tell you about them all. But, uh, I mean, just different people getting saved. It was just incredible. Um, one man, uh, one man, I think his name was Clint, uh, his mom had been praying for him 
uh, for many years had told the church, you know, pray for my son Clint. He's uh, living in rebellion. He needs to get saved. And that mom died, not seeing her son come to know Christ as a Savior. And, and on Mother's Day was when the revival meeting started, was on Mother's Day, and walked Clint. And they're like, what are you doing here? And he says, well, I know that my mom would want me to be here at church on Mother's Day, so this is how I'm going to honor her. It's come to church on Mother's Day. Everybody in the church knew who Clint was. He had come a couple of times, and they'd been praying for him. They didn't stop praying for him when that mom had died. And uh, the evangelist says, I was preaching. He had those white knuckles just gripping that chair in front of him, not wanting to move. And during the invitation, he just broke through and, and came down the aisle, and he got saved. And God did a 180 in his life. Uh, scores of his friends got saved as he brought them to church. And it was just an amazing thing. There's so many amazing testimonies about it. But that's one of them. Uh, two years ago, less than two years ago, I was in North Carolina at a meeting. And uh, we, uh, uh, John Getch, Tom Farrell, and, and Byron Fox put on this uh, uh, conference for evangelists and, and pastors. And so uh, there was a guest speaker there uh, the very last session. And, and it was the pastor, the host pastor of that meeting. And, uh, and Randy Hobbs is his name. And so we began, he began to interview him, and he you know, was telling some of the things. And he was very careful as to how he was described the meeting. He wasn't about the evangelist. Wasn't about anything else. He says, God will share His grace. God will share His wisdom. One thing God will not share, and that is His glory. He was very careful in how he spoke to make sure that God got the glory. And as they were talking, uh, Byron Fox says, Now you guys have been praying for revival, haven't you? And he says, Yes, we've been praying for revival. He says, Now you guys meet on a, on a, on a, on a, on a Monday night, right, to, to pray for revival? And he says, Yes, Monday night. 7 o'clock? Yep, 7 o'clock. He says, yeah, on Monday nights we gather on, at, at 7 o'clock and pray for revival. We don't pray for all the other requests, uh, uh, health needs and things like that. That's for Wednesday night. But on this Monday night, it's for revival in our church, revival in our community, revival in our nation. And he says, how long have you been doing this? Pastor Hobbs says, 15 years. <laughs> no wonder God sent it to him. They made it a priority in their, in their church, in their lives. We're going we're gonna to pray for revival. And they didn't quit. They would see some pockets here and there and, and see some showers of blessing, and, but, but never to the effect that it has happened there in Burlington. Some pastor said, uh, I've been, we've been praying seven years at our church, so we're almost halfway there, you know, and, and uh, there's other churches that are meeting on off nights praying for revival. On this matter of, of prayer, we need to make it a priority to say, you know what, I'm going to spend time with the Lord. Psalm 5 and verse 3 says, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Megan and I this summer, we were in Georgia. We, had the, uh, we took the opportunity to drive about seven, eight hours up to Bristol, Virginia. When we were visiting her family, her family wasn't too happy with us uh, when we left them. But, uh, but it, was, it was such a priority to me. That same evangelist was doing a meeting there, a tent meeting. We got there on a Friday night, got there at 5.30. The service starts at 7. We were able to get a seat. The, the tent host uh, holds about uh, 3,300 people. There were over 4,500 there that night. I didn't know a single person. <laughs> 
God's got a big family. <laughs> and uh, that night was family night, and and uh, they had a bluegrass uh, group there for special music, and that was kind of fun. And and uh, they, you know, southern crowd, they get pretty excited about some things. And and uh, and then one guy in front of us, um, I think he was a, a converted biker, and he he's having a good old time. Uh, and this, his son's probably 12, 13 years old. And I can just see, he's looking at his dad, kind of like, dad, don't embarrass me, you know. But uh, uh, there was a, a, a neat night, even during the, the singing, um, that one of the men in the bluegrass group gave his testimony. And uh, before they were going to sing that next song, the evangelist stopped and said, if I knew that I was lost and I needed Jesus Christ to save me, I wouldn't wait till the preaching started. I wouldn't wait till the invitation. I'd come down to this altar now and get saved. Well, nobody came immediately, but a few, uh, maybe a minute or two later, here comes this lady down the aisle. They're, you know, the bluegrass group's still singing. Uh, they've got the trained workers and things, and one lady goes over and starts dealing with her, and then here comes a, a father and a son down the aisle to get saved. And both of the, uh, the father and the son and also that lady got saved before the preaching even began. The message that night it was a family night was on the ark and how that Manoah saved his family in the ark. And at the, the climax of the message, he said, I can envision people pounding on the door saying, Noah, let us in, Noah, we're going to die. Uh, Noah, we're, you know, we're, 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 we're trapped out here. We're going to die. We're going to be drowned. And, and crying out to Noah, pleading for Noah to open the door. And he said, but Noah didn't shut the door. God did. And God may be shutting the door on you tonight. This may be your last opportunity. And, uh, and boy, he, he turned that and gave the invitation. Now, the message was a good message. I mean, it was a powerful message. But at the invitation, there was a power, a drawing power of the Spirit that I had never seen before. The invitation lasted 45 minutes. Uh, there were scores of people that got saved. I remember one, one young guy, uh, probably in his 20s, walking past me with a look so concerned and so scared because he knew he was lost and needed Christ. And I hadn't seen that look on someone's face in a long time. There was uh, that boy that kind of was looking at his dad. And I'm like, don't embarrass me, Dad. He went forward. And he got saved. And all we're... We, we, they came back, and, and the mom and the dad and the boy are just hugging and crying. Uh, you know, Megan's crying, I'm crying. Uh, I mean, it, just, it was just so special. And, and then there was, there was uh, uh, two friends that walked past us, and, and, uh, and I saw uh, the one had brought the other. They get down on their knees, and of course, they, they have the worker come over, and it's not like an instantaneous thing. Okay, they get saved. No, it takes 5, 10, 15 minutes. You know, they're dealing with people. And... And after a while, uh, they both get up, give each other uh, just a, a great big hug, and just crying, just a guttural crying. And I thought, here is a great picture of this one bringing the, the lost to Christ, and now this, this person that just got saved is saying, thank you for telling me about Jesus, for bringing me to Christ. And when they turned around, I realized it wasn't two friends, it was a daughter and a mother. And the daughter brought the mother. It was a powerful night. And throughout the night, I would hear noises. I wasn't sure what it was. And during the invitation, I realized what it was. Underneath the, the platform, there's about probably 50 men that are praying, that are seeking God, that are pleading with God, that are crying out to God. You know where the power's at? It's in prayer. 
It's in prayer. That's the key to it all. And we don't make it a priority. My house should be called the house of prayer, God says. He wants us to be people of prayer. When thou prayest, make it a priority to pray. Martin Luther said, I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Well, if you have so much to do, you know, Mr. Luther, why don't you, uh, you know, just pray for an hour and then get all the other stuff done. He's saying, I can't get done what God wants me to get done without spending that time with Him. I was reading George Mueller, and he, he said, I'm probably the most, one of the most busy men on earth. And he began to talk about his responsibilities, pastoring a church of uh, 1,500, the orphanages, helping out over 10,000 orphans. He says, I get 30,000 uh, letters every year that go through my hand. He says, I, that there's no way I can finish all the work uh, that God has for me in one day. And, and, uh, and he says, but I can't do the work that God wants me to do without spending the time in prayer. Oh, we need to make it a priority. Make it a pattern. Uh, it says, when thou prayest. God expects you to pray. God expects you to, to spend that time in prayer. My grandmother, uh, she is, a, is known as a prayer warrior. I uh, went to her church several years ago. She goes to a, a large church. She's not able to go as much anymore. She goes to a large church in the Oakland area. And, uh, and the church has just grown. It's just, just God's hand's been on that place and in the Bay Area of all places as well. And, uh, and they said, your grandmother is our secret weapon. And I said, well, how's that? They said, your grandmother prays for us. She gets up at four in the morning and prays. She prays for the, the pastor and the staff. She prays uh, for the missionaries, for people, for things. And, and the pastor always makes sure that somebody delivers the prayer list to Marge Schmidt, uh, my grandmother, because he wants her to pray for these things. And there's things that he'll give to her, maybe just personally, hey, I want you to pray for this. And my grandmother prays. Uh, I was there uh, last, uh, uh, not too long ago, several months ago, and they had a video kind of introducing me a little bit, and the pastor was gone. He uh, did a video to the church, and he, he said, uh, Marge Schmidt has done so much and has been, in a way, the secret weapon of our church. And, I, you know, God has used her in a great way. I remember sitting in her house, and she said, uh, you know, Tim, I wish I could do the ministries that I used to do. I wish I could teach Sunday school class. I wish I could play the, my violin in the orchestra. I wish I could go on visitation with the rest of the church she says, but I can't do those ministries anymore. So she says, God's taught me something. That my ministry now is the ministry of prayer. Wow. The ministry of prayer? God so worked in my heart that I thought, you know what? I need to have that ministry. I don't know what all you do here in the church, but you need to have that ministry. Greater loveth no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. When you pray, that's one of the greatest ways you can show love to someone because you're laying down your life for that person. So make it a pattern in your life. When thou prayest, Psalm 86 and verse 3 says, Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Ephesians 6.18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Then he says, Enter into thy closet. Here's the aspect of a place. There's a place that God wants to meet with you. What's the purpose of prayer? Why should we pray? It's to get closer to God. Yes, we have needs. Yes, we have burdens. 
but all to get alone with Him. To have that intimate fellowship with Him. To spend time with Him. To really, your, your devotional life isn't so much for you as it is for Him. To worship Him. To spend time alone with Him in that secret place. Enter into thy closet. You see, this is a specific place. It's a special place. There's a place God wants to meet with you. God wants to spend time with you. You don't know it yet, but He's got appointments with you this week. I don't know what time He scheduled you for, but you better be there. All right? Uh, There's times that God wants you to spend with Him in prayer. Now, I'm thinking about prayer because I'm heading into this men's meeting that's the biggest thing of our, of our ministry this year. And, uh, and I know that if anything's going to happen, it's got to be through prayer. And God's going to have to do it. All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. Leonard Ravenhill said, no man is greater than his prayer life. I truly believe that. He went on to say, what a man is in his prayer closet, that he is and no more. So there's a place that God wants to meet with you. And then he says, and when thou hast shut the door, thy door. Now here's the the aspect of attention to where you're going to eliminate the distractions. Because we're so distracted. I don't don't know if I've said this before or not, but uh, I think it was Charles Wesley that was talking to another man and he said, said, yeah, you know, it's so easy to be distracted in prayer. And this man says, Oh, I don't. I can pray. I don't get distracted. And he says, okay, well, if you can pray here for five minutes without being distracted, then I'll give you my horse. He's like, oh, really? All right, let's do this. So he gets on his knees, and the guy begins to pray, and then he stops, and he says, does that include the saddle too? <laughs> and right there, he lost the, the, uh, the deal. Uh, you know, he was thinking about the horse. He wasn't thinking about prayer. And it, we get so distracted. And when we, uh, when, we, when we pray, there's all kinds of things that want to keep us and want to hinder us. Again, the devil knows the power of prayer. That's why he keeps us from it, tries to keep us from it. So we've got to have that aspect of attention. That we're going to him. That we're shutting the door. That's why we close the eyes. So that we can just focus upon him and not the other things around. Uh, to shut that door. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, there is a secret place. There's a secret place that God wants to meet with you. To where that closet place, where that uh, attention, where you're shutting the door, and then it says, and pray to thy Father, which is in secret. Oh, here's the aspect of affection. I don't know what kind of father you may have had, but you've got a great Heavenly Father now. You've got one that that knows you, that loves you more than anybody. And all to spend time with Him, not just asking, but thanking Him, worshiping Him, praising Him, uh, to just spend time exalting Him. You could take, uh, I take Psalm 8 and Psalm 93 and take that before the Lord in prayer. Just say, Lord, you know, uh, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name. And all the earth. Lord, your name is greater than any other name. Uh, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. You know, those that mock now someday are going to bow the knee. Lord, you are supreme. You are higher. You are greater. 
And you go through the Psalms, you can take the hymnal, you don't even have to sing it, You can, if you can't sing, you can sing it as well, but you can take the hymnal, and some of those writers can just express what's on your heart, you know, come thou fount of every blessing, I, you could take that before the Lord in your devotional time, oh, to worship Him. Because the purpose of prayer, that the goal of prayer is God. I'm afraid that so often we seek the hand of God, we seek what God can do for us, than seeking just His face and seeking Him Himself. You know, revival uh, is not about uh, uh, just uh, having uh, a bigger attendance in a church, uh, having uh, bigger love offerings, uh, having more to ride on the van or the buses. Revivals, that's not the goal of revival. The goal of revival is God Himself. When we get God Himself, those other things will take place. Uh, those other things fall in place. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? The goal of revival is God. There was a point in that revival in Burlington where they stopped praying so much for revival and were just praying for more God. They just wanted more God. And all oh, that we would have that, and where do we get that? We get it by spending time in His Word, spending time in prayer, coming to church, learning more about Him. All oh, that we would have more God, that we would hunger and seek after Him. Uh, Psalm 42 and verse 1, As the heart of the deer panteth after the water, but so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, my, my soul longeth for God. Oh, that, that we would have that desire and that hunger and that thirst for God. Pray to thy Father. You have a great Heavenly Father. Oh, spend time worshiping Him, loving Him, appraising Him. And then uh, we see, lastly, the aspect of reward. He says, And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. When's the last time you've seen God answer a prayer in your life? When's the last time You've been in awe of God answering a prayer. Maybe it's been several days. Maybe it's been several weeks. Do you know God wants to answer prayer every day? <laughs> There's things, I mean, like I've already seen some answers to prayer today. Of course, you know, I prayed this morning with the message and all of that. But I'm seeing God answer some prayers today. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing some answers to prayer Friday and Saturday at the men's meeting. God wants to reward us. Uh, uh, he says, Pray thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. There are so many times that we spend with the Lord in prayer, and then God answers that request and just glorifies Himself. I think about my grandmother. She uh, Several years ago, she was praying and and she, or she told me, she says, Tim, I pray for O.J. Simpson's salvation every day. And it was just like, I don't know, a few months before that Pastor Lynn told me he had that opportunity to, you know, he hadn't, he hadn't met O.J. at that time yet. And, you know, all the things that happened with, with that, eventually I got to meet O.J. Uh, uh, last year and, and, all, and just how God worked that, you know what that, I believe the, the, the root of all of that was, is my grandmother's prayers. I truly believe that. She's praying in secret. God's rewarding her openly. He's glorifying Himself through her uh, openly. Oh, God wants to answer prayer. Jeremiah 33.3, 3, call unto me, and I will answer thee, 
and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Amen. What, do you, what, what do you need God to do in your life? Oh, He desires for you to get closer to Him. He desires to answer prayer in your life. I'm, I'm afraid that we don't believe that we can see answers to prayer, and that's one of the reasons why we don't pray. We get discouraged. Part of it is our sin. Our sin hinders us in getting a hold of the ear of God. But, but oh, how God desires to reward us, to answer those prayers. George Mueller was asked in his elder age by another preacher. He said, uh, have you ever asked God for something that he has not answered? George Mueller said, 62 years, three months, five days, and two hours have passed, replied George Mueller in his characteristic exactance. Since I began to pray that two men might be converted, I've prayed daily for them ever since, and yet, right now I see no signs of them turning to God. The preacher asked him, do you think that God's going to answer those prayers? And he said, certainly. He says, do you think God would lay it on His child such a burden for 60 years if He had no purpose for their conversion? Not long after George Mueller's death, this preacher was uh, preaching in Bristol, was at, a, uh, was at a church, and the course of his sermon, he told of that conversation. After the service, a lady came up and said, one of those men that George Mueller was praying for was my uncle, and he got saved last year. And, uh, and then the other one he found out eventually got saved as well. Now, George Mueller died. He never saw those two men get saved. Same thing like with that mother that was praying for her son, Clint. But she just kept praying. Oh, when, when, when we spend time with God, sometimes the prayers, they get answered pretty quick. And other times, you just keep praying. And God says, I sure do enjoy that time you're spending with me. I sure do enjoy you just coming back to me and, and, uh, and seeking me and seeking my face. God wants to do some things in your life, but we hinder Him because of our lack of prayer. My house should be called a house of prayer. How is your prayer life? I am uh, going to do something different now. Um, I've got some stacks of uh, papers here. If I can get uh, a couple men. I'm not so much going to give a come forward invitation. This pamphlet that they're handing out is uh, called Dimensions and Prayer Guide. This is a revival pamphlet. You spend time, you go through all of these pages, you spend time in prayer with God. Now, the beginning of it, uh, the, the very first page, it says, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Prayer is first and foremost a heart issue. A verbal communication from man to God is a force that touches all areas of life. And from the oldest to the youngest, we can, we can spend time in prayer. 
God taught me more how to pray when I was a teenager and answered prayers as a teenager. And, and the Lord's continuing to teach me things through prayer. And this has been a great help to me. Just for the next hour, slowly pray your way through the practical dimensions listed in this guide. Look up each scripture and invite God to speak to you. Now, we're not going to go through this for the next hour. But this is the invitation. This is, I believe, what God would have for us tonight for you to take this home and go through this. You just look at some of these questions here. You know, I mean, it, it goes through just about every aspect of our life. It starts with salvation, God's Word, and prayer. He says, How much time do I spend in heartfelt prayer every day? So often our praying is half hearted. Repetitious, meaningless, insincere. We go through the motions of prayer, the motions of the prayer list. But all that we would have heartfelt prayer. You know, when's the last time I prayed for something only God could fulfill and got it? When did I last receive a specific answer to prayer? And what prayer was that that was answered? Then it goes to values and so many things here, you know, am I self-centered? Do I esteem other better than myself? I've got a problem with that. I've circled yes many times on that. Am I self-centered? Yes. Do I obey God instantly, completely, and with a proper attitude? I was over at uh, my best friend's house one time, and his son was standing on the soccer ball, and he told his son... Uh, Max, get off the ball. And he hesitated. And then he slowly got off the ball. And my friend said, Max, that wasn't fast enough. He demands instant obedience. That's what God demands. And, and sometimes since then, I've, it's as if God's saying to me, Tim, that wasn't fast enough. You hesitated in being obedient. We need to have instant obedience do i love what god loves and hate what god hates again i've said no lord i i've loved what you've hated i've loved my sin i've not hated my sin like you've hated it am i willing to give up all sin for god and you know you go through this and you just start telling god just pour it out like it is God, my heart is hard. God, my heart is cold. It's calloused. God, there's sin in my life. I, I, I love my sin. Help me. Show me my sin from your perspective. Help me to see it from your eyes. That it's not something to be desired, but something to, to flee from. And, uh, and go through that until you can say, okay, yes, Lord, I am willing to give up all sin for you. And you start going through this, and God begins to purge, begins to work through you, uh, has the internal dimension, the next page goes through different things. Um, what motivates me most, culture or Christ, peers or principles from the Word of God, fear of man, the fear of God. Am I allowing Jesus to be the center of every area of my life? If not, what areas is he not, is he not dominating? 
It says an hour on the front, but you could probably see that it would take more than an hour. And it's done that. I, mean, I think the, the, the quickest I've gone through this is an hour. <laughs> you go through this, and God begins to purge, and this is a revival paper. Uh, the horizontal dimension. Uh, our relationship with others. Um, you know, am I a good example in the home? Men, are you leading your home? Uh, do I love my spouse like Christ loves the church? Wives, are you submissive to your husbands? Uh, do I respect my spouse? Children, do you honor your parents? You know, there's a difference between obeying and honoring. Obeying, uh, uh, my mom, I remember mom and dad one day, I was a, just a little, little guy, and, and uh, my mom had asked me to take out the trash. Well, I didn't want to do it. I wanted to, to go and do my own things, play in my room, and and, uh, and so I came out there, and I was, I was mad because I was playing a game, and, and I grabbed the trash and, and uh, stomped out uh, of the house and slammed the door, went outside, threw it in the garbage, came back in, slammed the door, went back into my room. Did I obey my parents? Yes. Did I honor them? No. Children, do you honor your parents? Am I on proper terms with others? You know, do I really love people? And then the eternal d dimension. The four priorities in my daily life, by order of importance, are are God, family, and serving others on my list. List three sacrifices I've made for Christ. What have I done the last two weeks to meet the needs of my Christian brothers and sisters? Am I willing to pay any price to please the Lord and fulfill His conditions for revival? Soul winning. This is convicting to me. The last three people I verbally witnessed to are... I haven't been able to fill that out. I sense a burden for and need to witness the following individuals. Your Christian life is not to be just to yourself. Aren't you glad somebody told you about Christ? There's someone that God has for you to reach. I can't reach them. Pastor Lynn can't reach them. God has put them in your sphere of influence for you to reach them with the Gospel. And then, uh, how can I encourage my church? And this, is, this pamphlet was made for a men's meeting and, uh, and some other meetings that Evangelist Harold Vaughn does. So that's why he says, um, what can I do to be a, a blessing to my prayer group and things like that. But... I want to encourage you to take time, whether it be tonight, tomorrow. Take time, get alone with God, shut that door. Turn, turn off all the distractions. Say, all right, Lord, I'm going to listen to you. Speak to me, search me, O God, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Our country is facing an important election. But you know that the answer to America is not in the White House, it's not in the U.S. Capitol. The answer to America is going to be in the churches, as in the Christians. It's ultimately in Christ, but it's in us. And if we're going to see God do a reviving work in our country, then we ourselves need to be right with God. And this I don't know of a better thing I can give to you tonight than this pamphlet right here and that you would seek God to shut that door, get alone with Him, 
and seek to get revived. And, and, uh, and you know, I, I believe that if you, the, the, more, the more you pour into this, the, the more you're going to get out of it. Let's, uh, let's take some time to pray. Um, it's 7.04. I don't know what time you guys normally end. But uh, let's just take about three minutes and, uh, and I want you to just pray just quietly in your seat. Um, maybe we'll do two minutes here, uh, 7.05. And I want you to pray and just, if there's known sin in your life, let's confess it right now. And then as you pray, also think of maybe the sins of America and confess them to God. That God would have mercy upon our country. And uh, I'm going to close in prayer in about two minutes. So just take uh, some time right now to pray. Father, we bow before your presence tonight. Lord, I realize that the, our country is in such a desperate shape. Lord, sin and wickedness just abounds. Lord, we have defied you. We've defied your plan and an ordination of, of marriage. We've slaughtered over 60 million babies. We've turned our, our back from You in the, in the schools. We've taken You out. To... Lord, You have every right. You are just, it seems, if You, just, if you would destroy all of us. Lord, Your judgment... And I know that your judgment's even, even on our country now, but Lord, as Jonathan Edwards preached that message, sinners in the hands of an angry God, or certainly our country, has committed such pride and atrocities against you. Lord, I think about 
what I just read of George Washington, that he was on his troops when he was a general and, and was so concerned because of the troops' foul language that your blessing would be off of them, that you would not give them victory in battle because of their foul language of the troops. But yet, God, we read how that you spared, or you would have spared, you spared Nineveh, and you would have spared Sodom and Gomorrah if there were ten righteous people. And so, Lord, we ask and beg for Thy mercy upon our country. Lord, there are times where You have given us a reprieve. We ask in this election that You would once again give us a reprieve. Lord, that You would have mercy upon our country. Or this is the, the greatest nation of giving out the Gospel. Lord, we send more missionaries than, and than any other country. Lord, You could so glorify Yourself through us. But I know that the problem with our country doesn't lie just in the politicians and all of those things that lies ultimately with us Christians. So God, revive us. Break us. Do whatever you need to do to revive us personally. Lord, I pray that you would put it upon uh, uh, hearts tonight. I I'm in a crowd this size. I'm sure that there's going to be some that won't even do this, this pamphlet. But Lord, there are some that will. And I pray that you would work in them and meet with them and revive them. Lord, You said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Lord, may they know truly the blessedness of personal revival. Lord, revive us individually. Then, Lord, revive the church corporately. Lord, that our focus, our whole passion would, would be You. Lord, we pray that You would send revival to our nation. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.